Hey, how's it going? Xander Fryer, best-selling author and CEO and founder of High Impact Coaching here. And you are listening to the High Impact Coaching Podcast, the podcast for coaches by coaches and designed to help coaches build and scale profitable coaching businesses so that they can get to the people around the world that really need them. On this podcast, you're going to have everything from tactics, live tactics and strategies. You're going to have motivational content. You're going to have interviews with the top experts in the world in different spaces to help you grow and scale your business and get to the thousands of people that need you. It's our belief that coaches are at the front of the spear when it comes to world change. And we want to make sure that you have all the resources that you need to get to the people that really need you. So that being said, if you need our help in any way, shape or form, feel free to go to Zan xanderfryer.com. We've got tons of other resources and support at xanderfryer.com. If you want to join our free Facebook community with thousands of other six-figure, multiple six-figure, and seven-figure coaches, you can go to xanderfryer.com forward slash FB group. And if you're interested in getting our help in the short term, coaching you one-on-one or mentoring you one-on-one to scale your coaching business to six figures in the next 90 days or taking it to seven figures over the next 12 months, go ahead and check out a couple of our programs at xanderfryer.com forward slash programs and feel free to set up a quick 15 minute call with our team to see what we can dig into, find what's not working in your business and see how we can help you scale to that next level. Other than that, I'll see you in the next episode. All right. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, CEO and founder of High Impact Coaching here with Mike Sesniak. Mike, I'm really excited to dig in today with you. We're going to be talking everything from the last four years for you, I like to call you the four-year overnight success. We're going to be digging into the details of how you got your coaching business up and running and now to a point where you're bringing in around, I think you said around 18K, 20K in sales last month. So Mike, welcome to the show. Dude, thanks for having me. I'm excited for this. Absolutely, man. So before we dig into all the fun stuff around coaching, I think the first time that you and I met, it was actually, I was interviewing on your podcast. (laughs) So if you want to give a bump for your podcast, now's the time. But I was interviewing on your podcast and I was telling my story of leaving the world of IT to start my entrepreneurial business. So I'd love for you to give a little bit of a background around, you know, your stint in the corporate world and what led you to leaving the corporate world and starting your coaching business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first, First of all, the Results Engine podcast on all platforms. (laughs) Yeah, dude. What was really interesting to me about interviewing you is, so we have a mutual friend, Chris Vasquez. Shout out to Chris. And Chris was trying to connect us for a while. And I was looking at what you were doing. I'm like, Xander seems like a cool dude. Like, let me reach out, get him on the show. And I was blown away with how identical our stories were. Because we come from a similar engineering world. We left at the same exact age. And we built the same type of business. You just did a little bit better on like the peaks, right? Like, (laughs) so you're making more in corporate and built the business faster, but I'll catch up. And (laughs) that's what I was really kind of excited about. So spark notes for people that don't know me and my story. I started in the, well, my whole life revolved around where I could play soccer in college, right? Dumb lucked my way into an engineering school because back then all I wanted to do was make a lot of money, retire young and open a pit bull rescue foundation. That was like really like what drove me. And for anyone that has ever gone through, as you can hear, my girlfriend's rescue dog walking around here. (laughs) She just rescued a dog last week. But for anyone that knows the recruiting space, basically the flow was I would bring a list. I would go to these college showcases, bring that list of coaches to my guidance counselor. And he would basically be like, hey, these are the coaches that you should reach out to, right? Because for me, it was like parents were like, hey, by all means, go play soccer. But you're not going to do it 
you're not going to go and get a garbage education, right? Just to go play D1, right? Yeah. Like you're going to use soccer as a tool to get a better education. And yeah. in one of those conversations, my guidance counselor was like, hey, you're good at math and sciences, look at engineering. Obviously my response was cool. Do they make a lot of money? And he's like, <laughs> yep. I'm like, sign me up. And, you know, fast forward four years, I kind of dumb lucked my way through getting a computer engineering degree, went down to Wall Street. Dumb, dumb lucked my way through getting a computer engineering degree. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. About <laughs> well, dude, like every every degree has their classes that just are the, the scary ones. Right. And yeah. none of them scared me away. Right. Yeah. And um, I ended up writing code for a living for six, six ish years, five at my last company. Yeah. engineered order processing systems for like global luxury e-commerce down in Manhattan and um, like the biggest fashion brands. And it was cool. I made a lot of money to, to like solve really cool problems. I yeah. worked with amazing people, but like to your question, why do you want to leave? It just wasn't what I was put on the earth to do. Like yeah. I, I knew that I wanted to do something bigger. So I was always starting companies while I was in that role. And I love that the coaching and consulting was the third company that I started in that, in that space. And ultimately what I took full time, but yeah. it was just like, it wasn't this, like the heavens open. It's like, you should quit. It was like kind of the plan the whole time. And it just took me five years to make it, <laughs> make the decision. It took, took you a while to, to figure it out and make a decision. So you, you started, you started the coaching business about four years ago, right? Yeah. But yeah. full time two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so talk to me about that, that like two year period of in between and what that was like and what it, what it had to really get for you to be like, I'm going in, like I'm jumping in full, you know, full steam here. Yeah. So first of all, it was like half in half out for the yeah. majority of those two years. Right. Like I think an important piece for me is I had a hugely negative stigma around the coaching industry, which kept me from entering it for a number of years. Yeah. And it wasn't until mainly because back then Instagram was big, but it wasn't as big as it is now. And I saw a bunch of like 17 year olds with the words life coach in their Instagram bio. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't get coaching, right? Like I came from the athletic world where the coaches had the answers. They told you what to do, right? Which is somewhat relevant in the business coaching world, but not in like the life coaching, high performance yeah. coaching type of thing. Like we don't solve problems we navigate conversations and help facilitate breakthrough. And I didn't get that. So I would look at it. I'm like, what the hell does this 17 year old know about yeah. life? Like <laughs> I didn't get it. Right. And that kept me back for a long time, but it wasn't until I met Brennan Burchard and talked to him at an event down in Ohio and the words high performance just gave me permission to enter the space. Yeah. So on the flight home from that event, which anyone knows, anyone who knows like Ohio to New York, it's like an hour and a half. So you can imagine how much I was keyboard thrashing, but I wrote my first program on the flight home from that. And that first year and a half was just like trying to figure out what the hell I could do. Right. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I was like selling. I remember I sold it for like $97 for my first beta and like, yeah, just wild. So it was a lot of that, like trying to figure out, like throwing stuff at the wall, figuring out what would stick, like had no support in terms of figuring out like how to actually operate a business and how to like do it successfully. And like what I should have been charging. Um, it just took me a long time to figure that out. And, yeah. uh, when you're doing it the whole time, you're actually doing it. Like, you know, like you mentioned half in half out, you're like in the corporate world still, still. So you're not fully committed to it either. Right. It's like, yeah. you're just trying to figure it out the whole time. Yeah. It was the classic, like Gary V side hustle, right? Like five to 7 AM, seven to 11 PM. And then like <laughs> selling the middle of my day to a big corporation. Yeah. And, um, yeah. 
Damn. So what led to the quit? What led to the I'm done? Mm-hmm. 50 foot telephone pole in torrential downpours <laughs> in Fiji, about 48 feet up it. But that's actually a true story for anyone yep. that's laughing and thinking I'm joking. But yeah, so like I mentioned, it was like, I, I always wanted to, I, I never thought I would last more than three years in corporate, but like I was making good money as, you know, a single young it's dude living slow in Manhattan. Burn, man. Like you don't realize the longer you're there, the easier it is to stay. Yeah. And like, it was tough because I put this on my story the other day. I was like, be careful who you're getting your advice from, right? Because yeah. I was taking advice from people that like, one, they didn't understand the engineering world. So they were looking at the numbers that we were making. And I'm sure you experienced this too. It's like, you're making how much by what age, yeah. but then you're comparing it to another role that like barely, like the industry is built on salaries that you don't make more than like barely over minimum wage, essentially, yep. until you hit a certain level and then you make FU money, right? So no one could understand why I would want to leave. So I think that kind of like pigeonholed me a little bit. And those people were giving me that advice because they loved me, but like- They just wanted you it, to be It wasn't safe. good they advice. To, yeah, they wanted you to be safe. They want to see you, yeah. hey, they don't want to see you die, basically. Yeah, exactly. It was coming from a good place. It just was bad advice. Yeah. And you pair that with like actually making good money. Like I had, I had all the stuff I thought I was supposed to want, right? Like six figure salary, senior title, luxury apartment on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, like all these things by like 24, 25 years old. I'm like, this is pretty dope. So that kind of allowed you to, you kind of get a little complacent at that point. But to answer your question, I went down to the first big investment I ever made in myself was Tony Robbins Life and Wealth Mastery, or excuse me, Tony Robbins Mastery University. Life and Wealth was part of it, basically like a package of all of their events. And part of me went to that first Tony event because speaking is a big vehicle or a big like vertical for our business. And I wanted to, the speaker in me wanted to experience like one of the greatest speakers of all time, right? Like I needed to understand, like I wanted to be in that room when he's like, he had 13,000 people like experiencing any emotion that they needed to experience to best serve them in that part of the event at any point. And I'm like, I want to feel that. I want to experience what that's like and learn from it. That ended up to me, like investing 10 grand, which was scary as hell. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to get out of it other than the fact that anyone that was willing to drop 10 G's to be in a room, I wanted to be in that room because I had just turned 27 and I was nowhere near goals that I had set for 25. Like I was in a funk at that point. And um, I went to it and then ultimately ended up down in Fiji at uh at his event <laughs> one thing down. led to another we ended up going to fiji yeah yeah well because it was a, a combination oh of yeah so it included events. it yeah and so the i was like dude like i want to do it big right like life and wealth mastery i need to uh i need to go down there for that and i went down to it and part of it everyone who knows tony's stuff they know like unleash the power within right like the fire walk yeah well the pole climb is like the event, like the excursion type thing for life mastery. Yeah. And basically there's all these telephone poles. You climb up, they're 50 feet tall, and then you jump to a trapeze. Yeah. Right. And there's like a metaphorical element, of course. And for us, when we happened to do it, it was literally raining sideways. Yeah. I was coming off of my first powerlifting competition. So I weighed a decent amount. Right. And like, <laughs> And as you're climbing this thing, like literally we went back under this hut because they're like, it's raining too much. We got to hold on. And then they're like, all right, Mike, are you ready? And I'm like, dude, it did not stop raining at all. Like it's still pouring, still going, still pouring. So we're climbing up and, and basically the, there was some sort of like metaphorical experience there. Like, you know, I realized that 48 of the feet, like it took me 30 seconds to go up. Yeah. But then that last two steps, 
it took me a minute and a half. I had the whole thing on video and I kind of realized like you hit a stride where you're making all this progress, right? And, and I think this is with anything, you make super, super fast progress and then you hit the resistance and the progress slows, but it doesn't mean that one, you're not capable or two, like you're not surrounded by the people that can support you, right? And obviously like there's a harness on, right? And I realized that that was the point where I was at in my business where most people quit and they turn around or, or rather the point where I was at without leaving corporate. And yeah, yeah, it was really, a combination really of committing to it going forward. Exactly. Yeah. And I realized like one, I was capable of getting those last two steps. Cause imagine this dude, like I'm six, five, right. I, I was powerlifting a couple, right? couple inches, couple inches taller than I am. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> think about having to leverage yourself in those two feet on top. Cause you like literally climb and stood on top of this pole yeah. and it's cut, cut like at a shitty angle, like, super wet so very slippery so i'm basically yeah. doing like a pistol squat yeah. and trying to get up that thing it's it was tough and yeah i kind of realized like one i was capable and two i had the support that i needed like it wasn't going to lift me up there but as long as like if i needed to like get some support it was there to help me yeah and the metaphorical sense like that's the network we've built yeah right you pair that with some bs money mindset breakthroughs that i had in that event it's a whole different conversation that led to me literally putting my notice in six days after getting back. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. I love hearing that. Cause like, it really, it really is like so many people, so many coaches that I can think of, like they want more, they want to be able to, you know, make more, make more, have more free time, help more people. Right. Yeah. But everybody, every single person will hit a point and it's that point. And it's like, this is the point that you either go for it, do the thing that scares the fuck out of you <laughs> or you go back down the pole. Yep. Right. Dude, I love and, that, man. And so, dude, that's the that's the thing, right? Because the question becomes like, okay, well, let's use the poll because it's a phenomenal example. What are yeah. your alternatives? Like either put in the work and, and take that leap or climb all the way back down. Yeah. And not only is climbing all the way back down going to hurt your ego for all of your homies that are watching you right there, right? Like literally one of my really close friends to this day is from Australia. His name is Darren. In the video, he's the one who filmed me. And he's like, you can hear him and his mom screaming like, you're a king, like all this cool stuff. And they're like, whatever, like lingo that they had from <laughs> where they grew up in Australia. But like, not only would that have hurt my ego from like having the one that be on film and two be in front of him, but two, that's a lot more freaking work. Yeah. Like think about how much cooler it is to get on top and then get to jump into a trapeze. Like yeah. pretty dope. Just go so, for it. Yeah. Dude, I love that, man. So, so, you know, you finally make the commitment. You finally get to the top, the proverbial mm -hmm. jump, right? You yeah. quit your job six days later. And of course, once you quit your job, then it's all daisies and rainbows, right? It makes it super easy to build your business. You just start scaling up instantly, right? Of course. Talk, yeah. talk to me. What, what, what's it like afterwards? <laughs> Honestly, the weirdest thing for me was I was really blown away with how hard it was to find a routine. Yeah. At first, because like to give everybody context, freedom to me, like literally this is this is I don't know what this says about me, but like this is what freedom meant. It was being able to go to the gym during the day whenever I want, yeah. like not have to do it at 5 a.m. Yeah. Right. Like that's what it was to me. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> but it, I couldn't believe how long it took me to find a routine of like what actually worked. Yeah. Uh, and I, th I feel like that's continuously evolving. But yeah, for me, that looked like I was working with some coaches at the time that one of them was my speaking coach transitioned into becoming a business coach and his partner as well. And, and I learned a ton, but I, like, I wasn't ready to like receive it at that point. Like they had yeah. great content, but like, you have to be ready to receive 
something to, I think, to really I think that's put a, into I think work. that's a really important thing for everybody to understand, right? It's like a lot of the time, it's not that the information or the content or the coaching isn't there. A mm-hmm. lot of the time, you're just not ready to accept it. Yeah. Right? 100%. 100%. And I think the, the weird thing about my story is like, obviously, the big piece about me leaving corporate was I, before I left Fiji, I put two hours on my calendar for the day that I got back to really map out like, what was the truth about my financial situation? Because my thing was, I needed to duplicate my engineering salary before I could leave, right? Which is just ridiculous. Like, that's very freaking difficult to do in 5 to 7 a.m., 7 to 11 p.m. I was was going to say, it's difficult to do, like, in a coaching business. It's even more Mm -hmm. difficult to do while you're still working your 9 to 5. Yep. Yep. So my BS story was, I have to hit that or I can't do it. It's like, well, is that true? So I put two hours on the calendar, which was really freaking difficult to do all those time translations. Like I I still don't understand. I went so far back in time that I crossed the date line and then it like became tomorrow. Like I I couldn't wrap my head around getting (laughs) to that part of the world, but I had XYZ number of months, right? I think it was like six or seven months of money. Yeah. And then of course I end up at an event and that leads to me like feeling at home with this community. I'm like, I need to figure out how to join that mastermind. And it was like, a multi-five figure investment. I'm like, well, there goes half of my runway. Like yeah. sick. Half of half um, of the seven months is now gone. Yep. Yeah. But then that's where I ultimately met Chris. Like the next year I re-enrolled and he joined. So here we are. So it was all worth <laughs> it. Right. But I made some interesting decisions that on paper make zero sense. Yeah. But like they just I felt like they were right. Well, I think I think that's an important thing that I want to share with everybody right now who's listening. Like if you're just starting your coaching business out. And you're trying to you're trying to grow and scale to the impact and freedom that you truly want to have. And you're making all the logical decisions. I almost guarantee you're not going to get there, right? Because it, 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 to be honest, right? And I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Mike. But like to be an entrepreneur, like coming from an engineer and an engineer, right? To be an entrepreneur, you have to be a little bit illogical. Yeah. Like on paper, a majority of the decisions that I've made to lead me to this point, like the engineering me would be like cannot compute. Like it just, it doesn't fit. Right. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I agree. I don't think, I think the majority of what I've done does not make sense. Yeah. And I think that's also kind of like what has given me like an interesting edge in my sector of the coaching industry, because it's like high performance is, it's basically a flavor of life coaching in many ways. Right. It's like kind of like the woo woo part of the industry, but like, you approach it from a very engineering. And this is why I resonated so well with you and your story and and what you guys do at HIC, Xander, is like you approach it from a very pragmatic way, right? But then there's also the athletic side of me. I was a goalkeeper in soccer. So anyone who understands that, like that was my license to be crazy, right? Like you need to have a couple screws loose if you're a goalkeeper in any sport, really, right? Like someone's kicking something at you for a living, right? And I think that intensity, like, that's kind of been a big piece for me, like figuring out how to channel it into the gym and then into my journey in corporate and then into my business, like that work ethic, it, it allowed me to, to really approach things from that way that might not have made sense, but like, doesn't care. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Right. That intensity. But like, you go back to that Tony Robbins event. Like I asked one person for advice and it was my dad and I didn't call my mom. Cause she's the accountant. My dad's a, a lawyer, a private practice. So like he's at least self-employed, maybe right. not entrepreneurial, but self-employed at least. Yeah. And he told me not to do it. <laughs> like he was like, ah, I don't think like, I don't think it makes sense right now, but you got to do what makes sense for you. And I looked at it and I'm like, well, <laughs> screw it. Like run yeah. it, let's roll. Because I knew that I needed to make a change. 
Yep. Right. But like, if we were going logic, I wouldn't have enrolled in HIC. It's, yeah. It's so, it's so funny you bring that up too, because I remember, I'm, and I talked about this on your podcast. Like when I quit, the first person I called up was my mom, right? My mom's mm-hmm. Pakistani. She like migrated from Pakistan to the U S when she was 15 years old. Like, like she's one of my biggest inspirations. And the, like yeah. I told her, I was like, I'm quitting. I'm doing this thing on my own. And like the woman that at that time, before obviously I'd met and married Maddie, like this is probably the most important woman in my life. Yeah. And she goes, I don't think you should do it because mm-hmm. it was illogical. It just didn't make sense. It was the same for me. Like, yeah. The, the only reason, here's a fun fact. The only reason it was six days after I got back from Fiji that I gave my notice was because, so the first day of that event was my birthday. Yeah. So I was on another part of the world for my birthday. My sister and I share our birthday. We're four years apart, which is yeah. like ridiculous. And I wanted to go, I was going back that weekend to visit my folks and spend like celebrate my birthday with my sister. Right. And I, the reason I waited six days is because I wanted to tell them what I was going to do and at least like include them. They weren't going to talk me out of it, but I wanted to include them. Right. And say, this is what I'm doing. Not, this is what I did. Yeah. And when I told my mom, because again, she's, she's the accountant in the family, right? Like, yeah, she like very, very much believes in that structure that is corporate, but she knew that I was going to do it. Right. It wasn't like completely blindsided her, but she looked like she saw a ghost when I told her, (laughs) like straight up looked like she saw a ghost. She just, her, her baby boy throwing away his life. Like that's what she saw, right? But here's what was cool is by the end of that conversation, she was like, you know what? Like, it makes sense. Yeah. You should, you should do that. I I forget why I went down that, that path, but like, it's because they love us. Like, again, like this, this bad advice, it's bad advice. Nonetheless, the bad advice is coming from from love. love. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's really important for us to understand because especially, especially as starting coaches, let's say we're we're starting coaches. We're not always around the best advice. We're Mm -hmm. around a lot of people that might give us advice, but how many, it's a really good lesson. How many times, you know, for everybody out there, how many times are you taking advice from somebody who is not necessarily exactly where you want to be, right? Like you should really only be taking advice from somebody that is where you want to be, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're not, if they're not there, then you have to ask yourself, like, is this valid advice? Yeah. The only caveat I would add to that is like, are they where you want to be or are they very well equipped to teach you a skill set that you know you need to develop? That you know you need, yeah, you know you need to get there. Yeah. You know, and like, that's it. Like, again, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that this bad advice is malicious. It just like, it's just not good advice because they're not coming from the place that we want to be. They're not thinking about it the way we want to think about it. Like, yeah, I I love that interesting topic. So, yeah. So, so the next, the next two years, uh, talk to me the next two years, what were, what were your biggest, what was your biggest learning lesson and what was your biggest mistake? Actually, they might be one of the same, but what was your Mm. biggest learning lesson and what was your biggest mistake over the next two years? Okay. So I would say the biggest learning lesson was probably more recent, which is like, don't prematurely delegate. Don't delegate until you've mastered it. Right. And it's like, part of that's the e-myth part of that is getting on calls with you and getting like verbally bitch slapped into doing some things. (laughs) I would, I would never verbally slap anyone out of love, especially especially someone who's probably got a good foot and height on me. Um, No, but it was the right decision. and, And that was like the catalyst for the growth recently. But like, I've always been trying to like find the balance between like creatively solving problems. Yeah. And also like, I guess that's part of it's like kind of getting out of the stuff you don't want to do, Yeah. but you need to be able to do something before you can 
coach anyone else to do it or like yeah. hire someone else to do it. And it wasn't until I got uncomfortable and did those things that we actually started seeing some, some solid yeah. results. So that would probably be it. The biggest think, lesson think, is don't prematurely delegate. Yeah. I think that's huge too. Cause I think, you know, I hear, I couldn't tell you how many times I hear a coach come in to like the coaching space and be like, yeah, I just want to coach and I want somebody else to take care of marketing and sales for me. And they're mm -hmm. imagining somebody else who loves to go market and sell just to handle that. And they can just coach. But the reality is nobody will do that for you. Yeah. Like nobody, at, at least nobody will do it well. And how can you know if they do it well, if you yourself don't know how to market and sell, right? So it's like, you have to master these yep. things first before you can hand them off to anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, and here's the thing, like for, for me, like part of that was sales, but like no one can sell you the way that you can sell you. Yeah. At least knowing that you're going to get for only commission nope. based. Yeah. No one, it, no one will have that heart that you do. Yeah. And like, even if they could learn your story so well, they're going to be missing the heart. And also you're probably not going to get that much talent for purely commission-based on an offer that's not proven. Right? I think that's like, the biggest thing. If it's a proof, if, if you're already successful, if you're already making seven figures, well, yeah, it's easy to get somebody else to sell for you. Yeah. Right? The best salespeople will always take commission only if yeah. they know that they can sell it, but yep. no one's going to take that bet. So like an uncertain, like an uncertain bet and unproven coach, they're not going to yeah. take that unless they're also uncertain and unproven. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then you're just like, you're playing the lottery essentially with yeah. your business. Was that the other one? Like biggest failure? Biggest, biggest, biggest mistake. Biggest mistake. I mean, I could go on the same thing, but that's not too fun. Let's take something else. So there's, there's two things. One thing I would say is, and I can't make this a, really a mistake because if I did, didn't do this, we wouldn't be on this call. But yeah. if one thing that I've been thinking a lot about early 2020, before you and I connected, before I, I enrolled in HIC and all the above was I kind of wish that like I've invested in myself at an unreasonable level. Yeah. What I view unreasonable, right? Like at least for the, the level current level that I'm at and that will continue yeah. to grow. Right. But like, a pretty uncomfortable amount. And I've invested a lot in my network and all these things. And I felt that I had invested in my network before I invested in something like HIC that was like the exact blueprint. And part of that was because I hadn't found it yet. I didn't know someone who had done exactly what I wanted to do and could just tell me what to do and like kind of like hold my hand when I was like trying to bitch out of certain yeah. things, right? Yeah. Or like- We just, uh, just hadn't found that yet. Yeah. I hadn't found it yet. Yeah. So I can't really call that a mistake, but I did invest a ton in my network and I'm grateful for that, but it didn't yield the financial ROI. It built yeah. the relationship capital. And yeah. luckily I like somehow found a way to make that work financially, but like it made it very, very stressful. But if I didn't do that, we wouldn't be on this call because I wouldn't have met Chris and Chris <laughs> wouldn't have been like, dude, shut up and hire Xander. <laughs> It's interesting because like I think about it and I think about a couple of the I think about a couple of the masterminds that I joined when I when I first started off, right? Yeah. And same thing. I invested an unreasonable amount in myself in the first 3 months when I wasn't bringing in any income. You know, I invested like 35 grand in different programs in the first 3 months. And a lot of them built good relationships and you know, I got other aspects and I, it did get me around the right people and like one of my favorite things that I tell everybody is like, you know, one of the programs that I joined, it was 12k and like the systems were outdated, the methodologies were outdated, the coaching was crap, right? But in it, I met, I met Craig Ballantyne, who ended up becoming one of my close friends and mentors to this day. And I ended up meeting a lot of entrepreneurs who over the last four years, they have actually grown in parallel with me. And they've, you know, they've gotten to seven figure marks and things like that, even though, you know, they were only down at the six figure marks and I was at virtually nothing. Right. Yeah. But at the time that mastermind 
made zero sense. Like it did not yield an ROI for me, but now like the ROI that it is currently yielding and the ROI that it will yield down the line, like this 12K mastermind that I deemed as the biggest failure of investment when I first started can actually be one of the best investments four or five years down the line. It's just sometimes you just don't know where those yields are going to come from. Yeah. And you don't know what it's going to look like either. Like, yeah. Dude, the niche that I'm serving right now was entirely because of that mastermind. Yeah. Right? Like I met Chris because of that mastermind. I I gave a talk in San Diego, I guess it was about a year ago. Uh, Yeah. Like just over a year ago, it was December of last year. My buddy Cole, who runs that group, he invited me to speak and do a training at that talk. And one of the guys in the mastermind that I hadn't met yet, because I missed the first one, he saw that talk and he's like, dude, I need your help. And that became our first client in the door-to-door space. And then the results he got were stupid. He's like, I need you to work with some of my guys. (laughs) And then it kind of just grew from there. And now, oh my God, this is it. Here it is. It's our whole, like clientele now 98% of our clients are from the door to door industry yeah. most of them in solar and it's because of that right and i didn't know what that was going to look yeah. like like it was only one client that i generated from yep. the group that wasn't going to cover the investment of the group but it honed, but it became, honed in became my business actually, yeah it honed in what you were actually <laughs> focusing on in your business moving forward i love that yeah. cool so we're running short on time here mike so i got a couple quick last questions for you first one is what's the big goal for 2021 for you Dude, that's something that I think we're, I'm still fine tuning the exact details. Uh, I've been thinking very short term through Q4 Mm -hmm. to really build the foundation for what 2021 is going to become. I think like continuing to build that consistency, right? Like raising that baseline of what's like, what is like, what's duplicatable? What do I know I'm going to create month over month so I can continue to build and increasing that number of enrollments is a big focus. I think like I could throw out numbers of dollar signs and stuff like that. But I think that's the big thing is consistency is the most important word to me right now. Yeah. And I think that's really important in the, in the coaching space. You know, I, I, I've seen a lot of coaches that they'll go have, they'll go have a 10 K month or they'll go have a 20 K month, but then they'll drop back down. Right. It's like, I'm not interested in that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're not interested in that. Like what can I do consistently, sustainably and profitably so that I can actually scale up. Right. Yeah. So the next question for you is what is the, what is the biggest thing you need to focus on to actually make that happen? Mm. Well, that's interesting. Cause like the consistency is like my consistency, right? So it's continuing to improve how powerfully I'm showing up and how I'm sticking to my time blocks, yeah. knowing that I I've set them intentionally because at this point, like I know what, what leads to those results. It's just the stuff that sucks that I tried to delegate. Right. <laughs> you just like, gotta do it. I just got to do it until that becomes a no brainer. And then I need to replace myself. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's the same word, just like a different tweak on it. I love it, man. Last question for you. Obviously, I know the answer is me, your favorite person that you've ever interviewed before. But besides me on the results engine, who's your favorite person that you've ever interviewed? It's an unfair question. Dude, I've, I've I don't like to ask so fair many, questions. You know that. I've interviewed, I've been very blessed to connect with just some absolute like world shakers. Yeah. And the name that's popping up to me right now is Tim Story. That was one of the early interviews. I think it was like episode 20. It was one of the first interviews that I did. And, and I walked away from it just feeling so grateful. I think it's also top of mind because I'm going to be sitting down with him at this event I'm speaking at in January to do round two. But awesome. Tim is just such a cool dude. And 
And if I had to pick some, that, that's top of mind, I guess. That's amazing, man. I love it, brother. Beautiful boss. Where can people learn more about you and the results engine, Mike? Best place is just Instagram at Mike Sesniak. You probably got to link that up because there's a lot of polar Z's, <laughs> but that's the major platform for us. And I answer all my DMs, all that sort of stuff. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, man. Beautiful. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you too, man. For everybody out there who's listening to this in podcast land, if you want to catch these interviews live, go to xanderfryer.com forward slash FB group. And for anybody else out there that is ready to take their love for coaching and helping people full-time in 2021, make sure to go to xanderfryer.com forward slash programs. Check out our programs. We'll see if we can help you get to that next level. Thanks again, Mike. Thank you.